Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week, we're celebrating Jeff Fahey Week with Body Parts and the Lawnmower Man. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Yeah. You do significantly worse. No, it sounds significantly better. Yeah. No, but yeah. now now that you're talking more, it was a little bit choppier. God damn it! Yeah, uh, it's not you. It's probably it's probably some kind of stability in the internet between there and here. Too many people googling how to how to escape to Canada. Guess I'll talk about Jeff Fahey movies or. Oh my God! Yes, Is it Fahey or Fahey. Oh. Fahey. I've always heard Fahey. I've got, you know what? This conversation's completely changed my mind. I fucking love the lawnmower man. <laughs> <laughs> it's great fucking it took it took two and a half hours of my life away, and I appreciate it. <laughs> it. It certainly is distracting. No one will deny that about it. Well, no well, so, like, uh, there we go. Yeah. Since you're so excited about the two and a half hour cut of Lawnmower Man that you <laughs> You mentioned why don't you uh, break down the lawnmower man for us? Yeah, so so just so everyone at home knows, uh, when you go to rent it, there is a two and a half hour version that's like the ultimate director's cut. Uh, the one the world is, was clamoring for. It's so fucking long. So it's so, so fucking long. <laughs> uh, so essentially, this movie is about uh, Pierce Brosnan's character is a doctor who is developing a weird combination of a drug and virtual reality therapy that can increase intelligence, which he's testing on monkeys, but of course the military-industrial complex is involved and they want them to also be angry. So he makes smart, angry monkeys uh, who freak (laughs) out, as it turns out, which is weird considering you intentionally upped the aggression of an ape. Imagine that. Uh, one, one of them escapes and goes on like a crazy monkey rampage which is fucking delightful by the way oh I wish this whole movie was I would watch an entire movie about the monkey in the virtual reality helmet running 100%. around determining which humans are threats and which ones aren't and shooting the ones that are yeah 100% I loved that That's a, yeah, that, would, I, that would have been a superior movie that would be an amazing way to be like a prequel to uh, a new Planet of the Apes fucking revival. I would love it. I just want you to imagine being in a video store. You're looking through the shelves. You're like, well, nothing's really jumping out of me. And then you stumble across a movie called The Lawnmower Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, 
I don't even know like what this movie is about, but the title has sold me on it. Oh, and if it had a picture of that mo- that monkey in that RoboCop mask that he was wearing, if they put a picture of that on the box art, I wouldn't even read the title if I saw that picture. I would have just gone straight to the counter. This would have been some time travel shit. You know what I would have did? I would have turned around, walked out of that video store, and went straight to Suncoast Video to get some kind of uh, steel book, tin cased DVD of it. Lenticular that, cover. Yeah, that needs to be mine now. Uh, so so chip escape continue with your plot description we're about four minutes into the movie it's two and a half hours long right we've Uh, already made a better one chip chip makes friends with the lawnmower man aka his name's joel right sure i think that's Joe. do what biblical chip it's like joe Job. oh job that's right Right, Job, who is the local handyman slash dude who cuts lawns slash uh, mentally handicapped guy who is a ward of the church, uh, being raised by a terrible, terrible Catholic priest. That's not a cliche at all. Not in a Stephen King work, it isn't. Uh, yeah, Monkey gets gunned down in a crazy hail of bullets. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the most serious monkey murder I can think of in a movie besides maybe... Uh, evil dead when the rat monkey gets stomped on. <laughs> uh, uh, more shit happens. Uh, Pierce Brosnan leaves. He decides he wants to continue his research, but he's going to do it on humans because that's fucking ethical. <laughs> uh, it talks the mentally handicapped dude into being a guinea pig. Once again, completely ethical. And it works. And dude starts getting super smart and super smart. And then the military industrial complex sneaks in again. And they're like, you know what? This is all working great. But what if we shot him up with some of that angry juice? <laughs> we should put that angry juice in this hyper intelligent, dangerous person. And and guess what? Shit goes fucking awry. Because <laughs> whenever you give somebody who's become some kind of weird Internet god angry monkey tendencies... <laughs> He murders a bunch of people and tries to create Somehow a virtual that backfires. Uh, yeah. So this movie is. Uh, I'll, I'll t- let me say this first, and this is this is counterintuitive. So I think everybody knows that this is not well renowned as a good movie. <laughs> what? It's not. But I no. actually think, even though it's ridiculously long. The two and a half hour version is actually a better movie. It's not quite as insufferable because they they like fill in some of the gaps that happen between the other things that don't make it feel like I don't know the original movie. Whenever I watched it, I remember feeling like okay, mentally handicapped person, little bit of juice, getting smarter, friends with a kid, psycho murderer, and it's like whoa, what what in the Revenge of the Sith just fucking happened right there? <laughs> Yeah, this, I mean, yeah. The two and a half hour actually has a lot of gaps. Hmm. Well, I did not watch the two and a half hour version, and I still thought it was pretty terrible. Two and a half hours is too much time for this movie. <laughs> you know what's really interesting about Noah's plot description? Is he forgot to mention the part where the guy develops magical ESP powers and moves shit outside of the virtual reality world using the mind powers he developed inside the virtual reality world. Of course he does. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's just the thing. Like, I'm watching this movie, 
And the, the first, like, hour and a half of the two-and-a-half-hour cut is the story of them, like, giving the drugs and using the virtual reality on the mentally handicapped guy. And he is, you know, he's getting cool or he's tucking in his shirts and wearing tighter jeans and combing his hair. So, like, you know, you know he's getting smarter because that's a sign of intelligence is when you comb your hair back. Uh, um, you, know, you know what's and not I'm just a sign of intelligence? Cowboy boots and a giant belt buckle. I know. It's really <laughs> fucking weird. The, the, the wardrobe choices are amazing. I have no idea why they do, why they think making him dress like a cowboy is a sign. Like, that's a sign that you're mentally handicapped, is when you see a cowboy and you're like, I want to dress like that. And you're, the people who take care of you are like, whatever, you are, you earn your own money. If that's how you choose to dress, that's fine. Just like if a five-year-old wants to wear cowboy boots, you let him wear them. But if you're a grown adult and you decide to start wearing cowboy boots for the first time in your life at like 30-some years old... That's not a good thing. That's not a sign that you've gotten a lot smarter. But so what's interesting about that first half of the movie, though, is it, it's a good idea. It's not particularly well executed. But the idea of he's being put through these experiments, it's making him smarter. But the side effect is it's making him evil. And then eventually he goes on his killing spree. That, there's an idea there that's a good movie. It's just not particularly well done way too much time with Pierce Brosnan sitting in his chair speaking into his fucking tape recorder with his shirt unbuttoned proving us how cool he is but <laughs> I mean I mean the whole story is ba- it's basically just flowers for Algernon plus yeah. virtual reality I mean that's all it is sure. yeah but then see here's what the problem is though because when that twist happens and he starts like Neo like he just all of a sudden can do his magic tricks outside of the virtual reality world now it's one of these stupid fucking movies where they're basically playing on that like you only use 10% of your brain but what if you could tap into the whole thing and then you could move shit with your mind and you're like no that's not how it works sorry and I fucking hate that trope so it's just even though that should be the part of the movie I enjoy because that's the bonkers insane insane shit's flying all over the place part of the movie I just fucking hated it because I hate that trope and I was just like, why? First of all, why is this two different movies? And second of all, like, why are you doing? Why are you the better part, the better made part of the movie? Is a stupider idea. Why didn't you put this effort into making the first movie good? Like, this could have been a good hour and a half long movie about a guy who goes on a killing spree, and at the end they have to kill him the same way they did the monkey. It could have been kind of poetic. Or you could have an hour and a half movie called Lawn- The Lawnmower Monkey about a monkey <laughs> in a virtual reality helmet. And that's already I have better. no idea. Like, having seen this movie and knowing, like, this is a, a movie that, at least back in, like, when it was new, everybody saw this movie, right? That's why everyone knows it's not a good movie and everyone talks about how it's not a good movie. It's because it everybody was, has seen it, it. It was marketed real hard. Yeah. Yeah. But with that having been said, how has nobody gone ahead and made the monkey movie yet? Who who in their right mind would watch this movie and not go, oh, my God, that's a really smart idea for a movie in the first 10 minutes of this one. Let's get let's get a writer in here and make that into an hour and a half long script. Get me a monkey. Like, that's amazing. And they better not change one fucking stitch of that fantastic monkey cyber suit. <laughs> oh, you got to keep him in the cyber suit. Yeah. No, like, just accept the lawsuit from whoever made this movie. And just, that's fine. They get 10% of the profits or something because you stole their monkey suit. But you get to... 
<laughs> that monkey, I just can't even imagine having that whole monkey movie would be amazing. I bet Stephen King would fund it. I bet he'd be happier with that than he was with this. <laughs> Definitely. I didn't. It's been... I shouldn't. I should have looked up some of his comments about this movie, but he was not happy when they were having when they were referring to this as a Stephen King adaptation. <laughs> Speaking of which, Brian, tell us the original story of the the Lawnmower Man because it is one of the ones I've never read. Oh, it's uh, it's a little different now. If you haven't heard, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so this guy hires a titular lawnmower man. Um, I don't remember why, like, I don't remember was his lawnmower broken or something. I don't remember why he needed someone to mow his lawn, but he did. Um, so the service shows up and, uh, so he, let me see. I found an article. Uh, okay. He was mowing his lawn the summer before and his neighbor neighbor's cat was being chased by a dog, so it ran under his lawnmower, and it kind of uh, scarred him, so he didn't want to mow his lawn anymore. So he hires hires uh, a, a lawn service called Pastoral Greenery, and this guy shows up, kind of a fat guy, um, and he's like, "Okay, I am going to mow your backyard." Um, so what I need you to do, stay in the house, do not come outside while I'm mowing and, uh, yeah, don't, uh, don't bother me while I'm mowing the lawn. The guy goes, okay, sits down to read the paper. Um, he's, uh, he's like, oh shit, I needed to tell him something or something. So he, he goes out the back door to tell him something and he sees the lawnmower going by itself it's like a push mower and the portly man is completely naked on all fours going behind the lawnmower and eating up all of the all of the clippings from the lawnmower even so much as like a mole hops up and he just eats the mole as well and the guy's just like uh what the fuck um and he calls the police but as he's calling the police, the lawnmower man, like, catches him. And he's like, you weren't supposed to come outside. So he starts chasing Harold and starts, like, you know, trying to kill him. And then when the police arrive, they conclude that Harold was murdered and dismembered by a schizophrenic sex maniac. And all of his guts are, like, in the birdbath out in the backyard. So as you can see, pretty much beat for beat the same story. <laughs> The fuck? Yeah. <laughs> How do we get from A to B? <laughs> I don't understand any part of this. There's only two references to that story in the entire movie. Number one, the guy is, in fact, a guy who mows lawns. And two, they make a reference to the guy's guts being in a bird bath. Yeah. Uh, they, he does at one point use his magical ESP powers to make the lawnmower go by itself. So that's probably yeah. a tribute to the original story. Uh, and the, the lawnmower man reveals that his boss's name is Pan. So take that for okay. whatever. So he's supposed to be like a fucking satyr? I guess so. I, I don't know. I read that story years ago, and I just remember going, like, I, I knew that this movie and that story were not connected when I read it, yeah. but I didn't expect it to go there. And what blows my mind is somebody read that story 
and went, we should make a movie out of that. That's step one of where everything got fucked up. It was, all I can imagine is somehow some, it Well, you know they were in some pitch meeting with fucking five dudes in suits smoking cigars, and one of them was like, you know what's popular? Virtual reality. We need some of that in there. Yeah, that's exactly. Do you guys remember what virtual reality was like back in this like early nineties? <laughs> like you'd go to like an amusement park and they'd have that spot where you could put the headset on and the little weight belts so that you felt like you were really walking, and it was really popular. And I remember really enjoying it at the time. Never did it. It was usually just some game where you had to go in and like shoot the other guy, and everybody looked no. like just a bunch of circles, right? Uh, so the original short story was published in May 1975 for the magazine Cavalier, basically oh, yeah. a uh, Playboy-style magazine. Stephen that, King wrote for a lot of porn magazines. Oh, yeah. Well, well uh, back then, you just wrote stories and sent them out to wherever, and porn magazines had short stories in them for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't. That's the part that I don't understand is why were they just putting short stories into porno mix? But <laughs> I, I know it was something about like uh, Playboy apparently was the holy grail for those short story writers because they paid something like two hundred dollars a story back in the seventies, which was mm. fucking yeah. fantastic money. Yeah. <laughs> so weird to think about. Do we know if the girl that Jeff uh, Fahey sleeps with in the movie Rendition was she a Playboy Playmate as a tribute, or was she ever in this other magazine? <laughs> just, I just like that whole storyline. It's a little weird. I like I like the fact that if somebody wanted to be a real collector in Stephen King completist, they would have to have a really weirdly <laughs> awkwardly large porno collection. Well, here's my copy of Cherry. That's what I'm saying. Uh, People would walk in and be like, what in the fuck is up with all these dirty magazines? And you'd be like, no, 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 Stephen King. I'm just a Stephen King fan. And they're like, yeah, right. (laughs) Sure you are. Jesus. Yeah. How come every time we try to talk about a shitty sci-fi movie from the 90s, you guys make it into a porn conversation? Because the connections are always there. The better question is, why wouldn't we? I remember when this used to be a movie podcast. So, was there anything you liked about this movie? Either I mean, uh, I actually. Who do you want to go first, Noah? Sure. I mean, I I actually up up until the end of the movie. So there's there's this plateau. It hits. I like the story of Job, kind of like getting smarter and. Uh, even to the point where he starts to become aggressive and stuff. But the second he becomes weird cyber God, it just gets, I don't don't know. I fucking lose interest in it. I lose interest in it right after he accidentally fries the brain of the girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Cause like up to there, it's like these real emotional moments. And then after that, all of a sudden he's like, no, now I am cyber Jesus. Yeah. Again, I, I, I don't think it was well executed, but I do like the idea of the storyline leading up into that. And for me, the, the moment where he starts being able to move things outside of the Matrix is the part where I'm like, no, I'm tapping out of that. Um, but I actually do think Jeff Fahey's perform- performance is really good. Like, I think he, as much as I 
think maybe the appearance they gave him was ridiculous when he was playing the mentally handicapped guy. I think he does a good job, and you see the transformation in him. Like, putting aside, the, again, the wardrobe choices that were a mistake. That's not his fault. I, the so, actual performance, I think it's really solid. I, I think I actually disagree with the, the wardrobe thing, because there's the idea that that preacher guy was not... Uh, taking care of him and providing him with the, the proper like guidance and necessities of life so that's why yes, he's wearing shit I, clothes and looking like a crazy clown person again I, I agree with I like the idea behind it I just it's the execution I have a problem with like I like the idea that he is uh, you know getting to pick his own clothes and he chooses to dress nicer to take better care of himself and you know we realize that it was he was being kind of held back by that abusive priest. All that's a good idea, but again, you choose to put him in fucking cowboy outfits for some reason. Like, that's how he expresses himself. And that's not the way to do it. You know, like, I mean, he could have started dressing nicer, and it could have been, a, like, looking proper. And there is that moment where he, like, he says, like, I, I want my money. He actually says to the priest, like, I want to start cashing my checks. I, you keep my checks and you keep the rent, but I want the rest of it for myself so I can make my life better. And it's like, yeah, that's an interesting thing to explore, but then they don't get, get into it. It just becomes about him trying to dress like the picture he saw in the magazine. And, and that's where I'm like, if this is about him becoming his intelligence leading to his confidence, okay, great. I understand that you want him dressing, but cowboy boots and like those like weird, like, I don't even what you call cowboy jeans and stuff. And it's like, you know, there was a way to do that properly, and they just – I don't like the way it played out. And then again – yeah, like, again, though, it's like his actual performance I think is solid. I think you see the change in the character and the facial expressions and in the way he carries himself and even the way he speaks. I think it handles it very well, and it's a gradual transformation, not like a sudden transformation. Um, it's just the movie doesn't – do him justice, which is weird because I didn't really know that Jeff A. He was a good actor because I don't. <laughs> I was, was going to say it's it's even crazier in this because you see how good of a actor Jeff A. He is, and then you're looking at Pierce Brosnan like, what in the fuck is Pierce Brosnan doing in this movie? Because he's the shitty actor. In this movie. Yeah, he's. I think he maybe signed on. Like this is only a guess, but I wonder if he signed on. And then they changed the script around on him and it turned into this and he just checked out and wasn't trying because that's certainly the impression I get. <laughs> I signed up for a movie about a weird naked man eating grass. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't, yeah, like I don't know what was going on with him in this movie, but then it's like his all, like his, everything with Pierce Brosnan and his like wife or girlfriend or whatever she was i was just like oh my god edit all of those scenes out i do not care about these characters at all i don't care about their relationship i don't care if they go to the city for the weekend or not we don't need a four minute discussion about that your movie wouldn't be two and a half hours long if we didn't have a giant discussion about that <laughs> more virtual reality <laughs> stuff please that's the fun i'll tell you what fucked me up there's that whole conversation where she goes into the basement and he's in the virtual reality thing doing whatever the falling apparently, and uh, yeah, she's like falling, flying, all this kind of stuff. What's next? Fucking. And I was like, yeah, that's one hundred percent 
100 percent next in the technology tree the second they learn how to fuck it you are obsolete as a person (laughs) (laughs) a goddamn wookiee was using virtual reality for sexual purposes in the star wars christmas special in 1977 you think (laughs) the first brosnan's not going to use it in the 90s Uh, yeah I, I have an interesting question for you guys about this movie. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think the stuff in the virtual reality world looked good in 1992? No. It has dated poorly, or did it not look good back then? No, I think it looked bad back then. I don't remember it looking good. Like, I remember enjoying it, but the last time I saw this movie was 1992, and I was like 11 years old or something, right? Like, it's so bad. Watching it now, I was like, it's pretty cheesy, but I just wondered if that's if it just hasn't aged appropriately. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I pretty much think it just has always been bad, but... Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole idea of doing significant amounts of CGI screen time in 92 is just again you're not capable of doing this I don't know why they did so much of that Um, alright so looking over some of the trivia so of course New Line picked up the rights for the Lawnmower Man short story uh, ripped the title off then threw the story away Uh, because the producers also had an unrelated script called Cyber God and they simply just okay. put the just put the title. They, <laughs> they the just wanted that Stephen King bump. Yep. Um, so of course Stephen King sued them to get his name taken off, saying that uh, it bared little to no resemblance to his original short story. The courts actually ruled in his favor, which is the first time they had done so in such a lawsuit since 1922. Um. So they. Uh, so he won, and then uh, New Line appealed, and then the appeal, uh, it was granted that Stephen King's credit in the credits could remain, but that they could not use his name for any advertising. Um, but then when they released it on home video, they still released it as Stephen King's Lawnmower Man. And so then they were in contempt of court, and Stephen King got a good... $2.5 million payout from them because of that. Yeah, motherfuckers. Yep. You don't fuck it's with amazing. It's amazing that they would fight this much over whether to call it. Like, and the funny part about all that is it, it, everyone knew at the time. Like, I remember these discussions going on in the early 90s about how Stephen King was trying to get his name taken off of it. Yeah. So, so the marketing element of it worked anyway, right? Everyone knew that this was a Stephen King adaptation that he didn't want to be associated with by the time he did yeah. theaters. Um, so apparently there was only eight minutes of actual computer generated effects in the movie. And okay. it took seven people, eight months to complete it on a budget of half a million dollars. Well, in the interest of fairness, it looks pretty good for half a million dollars <laughs> in 1992. <laughs> Because when you look at what they spend on CGI nowadays, like, yeah, it looks a lot better, but they pay for what they get. Um, it was discovered through FBI tapes that apparently this was uh, Waco cult leader David Koresh's favorite movie. <laughs> that sounds right, that fuck. <laughs> uh, I always thought that he might have been kind of watching this 
this guy's haircut. See pictures of Koresh the way it was. His hair was done. It was kind of based on Job early years. Not. And uh, apparently, there was three video games released based off this movie. Man, they went all in. Um, video games. They were they were not where you could play as the monkey. Um, but they're sides that monkey movie so bad. <laughs> Side-scrolling action games, The Lawnmower Man for Game Boy, Genesis, and Super Nintendo. Um, the FMV Adventure Game, The Lawnmower Man for DOS, Macintosh, and Sega CD, uses clips from the movie and is a direct sequel to the movie, since its plot begins where the movie ends. And then Adventure Game Cyber War for DOS and PlayStation is a non-FMV sequel to the FMV game. All right. I still don't think we've gotten your thoughts on the movie, Brian. I'd like to know exactly oh. what you just liked the most about this. Because I just, don't I don't say know. the whole thing. You know, that's a cop out. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just think it's terrible. And maybe it was the Stephen King fan of me knowing that he fucking hated this movie at the time. But I don't know. Like Noah said, I've compared this before to Flowers for Algernon, and I just think that's a better story than this one. Less uh, shitty virtual reality, I guess. Although now, the monkey does add some points to it, so. Yeah, we've had time to draw out the positives of the film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I expect that to be the, uh, expect our, our Jeff Fahey episode, the thumbnail for the episode one. Well, it will I would, now. I would just like to say to all the independent filmmakers out there that uh, parody is protected free speech. <laughs> so the lawnmower monkey would be one hundred percent legit protected. All right. Well, I, I now I feel obligated to interject. I do not want this to be a parody film. I want to play deadpan serious. <laughs> I want them hunting that monkey for the entire movie. <laughs> Even if they played it deadpan serious, it would still be a parody. <laughs> Are we convinced this movie wasn't a parody? Just maybe it was. <laughs> Even better, Lawnmower Monkey rides again, and it's just the monkey who got shot to death at the beginning, rising from the dead, and now he's a zombie cyber monkey. Yeah. Let's, not, right. let's not sequelize our monkey movie until we see the results of the first one. So, so I found two two pictures of the monkey that will work. So I'm gonna I'm gonna post them, and you guys have to tell me which one I should uh, I should use. This is really important that we do this in the middle of the show, too. Yeah, it is. It's it's the most important. I think the I think the top one. It's got the full Zardoz shoulder strap and a face. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. But but the second one's pretty badass. The second one's more like something you'd use as your like profile picture, though. And we can update it. There could be a sweet ass crossover of Lawnmower Monkey versus Robocop. Oh man. Even not, better uh, team up. Yeah, it'd be like a yeah, it's a team up. It's almost like a buddy Robocop movie. There's the Robo Monkey and the Robocop teaming together. It'd be amazing. Couldn't we just uh, do Robo Monkey and Lawnmower Monkey? Ooh, double the monkeys. I guess so. Yeah, now we're getting up to like a three three we're building our own cinematic universe at this point. Yeah. 
<laughs> surrounding the monkey that had four minutes of screen time in this movie that we didn't like. Um, yeah, I, uh... <laughs> I think that should tell everyone at home how good of a movie this is. Our theoretical weird movies about the monkey from the beginning of the movie are still better movies than this movie that was made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had hopes when we were going into this one. I was like, I the only reason this one made it to the list, I was I wanted something to team up with body parts, and I couldn't come up with anything. So I'm just like, fuck it, two Jeff A. movies from the early '90s. Um, and, and then I'm like, okay, maybe Lawnmower Man is better than I remember because I haven't seen it since 1992 or '93. Like maybe it's fucking a hidden gem, mm-hmm. and that people it's just it's just underappreciated. And then I'm watching it at the beginning there, and I'm just watching Pierce Brosnan sitting into his basement, fucking. For some reason, he just kept unbuttoning his shirt every time he wanted to record his thoughts. He's like, I think better with my nipples exposed, so I'll just unbutton my shirt. Have to get comfortable. Like, God damn it. And then that lady is like, I fucking, even though he's still in like handicap mode, and you're like, oh, I know where this is headed. <laughs> that lady's going to have sex with a retarded guy. Yeah. That's not okay. There's, there's rules against that and then what was up you know who we haven't talked about yet speaking of stupid shit from this movie what was up with that like town bully that was just always running around picking on people even though they were all adults they just <laughs> some reasons now just had like a bully in it he was just a biker they a needed, biker who's like a gang of one they needed to introduce a few characters for the literal what five minutes of horror movie that's actually in this movie yeah, because this is billed as a horror movie, and it's not. Like, I, I, I argue to the ends of the earth that five minutes of him killing people does not a horror movie make. No. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you call this movie. It's really, I guess, it's a sci-fi movie, but I don't know or care really. I just know it's like ridiculous that like he's sitting at the back reading comic books in like the back of some shop on this like giant biker comes out of the shitter and just decides to punch a handicapped guy and nobody does anything about it. (laughs) Why is this happening in this movie? It makes no sense. Like, the tension all seems to be surrounded by the fact that Joe didn't want him to fucking smoke near the gas tank at the beginning, which I'm like, he's actually right. You're not supposed to smoke while people are pumping gas. That's how things get blown up. Do you want things to get blown up? Doug, we can't even get people to wear masks down here. So this is not that far fast. Yeah, fair fair enough. That, guy, <laughs> that guy's actually maybe the most realistic character. <laughs> do you guys uh, do that in the States? If there's like a handicapped guy, he's like five years old and nobody wants him, you just turn him over to the church. And he just gets to live in a shed for the rest of his life. No, 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 no. Here, here we uh, either put them into horrible, horrible institutions where they have to live miserable lives, uh, or we let them be homeless on the street until they die. Mm-hmm. Thanks, oh, Reagan. Because I was worried you were putting them in sheds behind churches and making them mow lawns and keeping their pay. Oh, that would be like giving them a house and a productive thing to do. Why would America do that? Well, the, the priest in this movie did it, so he had somebody to smack around, from what I can tell. I don't know. Is there anything else to be said about this movie? 
Uh, who's gonna Who's gonna be brave enough to watch the Lawnmower Man two, Job's War? I'm good. Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure that I didn't even watch that when it was new because I was like, oh no, there's no need for that. But the kid, the kid is the only person that comes back for it, and they they upgrade the, from uh, the neighbor. Yeah, he's the only one that's in the second one from the first one. He didn't know any better. That his parents should probably be investigated for making him do that. Uh, but they do upgrade from Jeff Fahey to Matt Frewer. So I'm I'm a little offended that you think that that's an upgrade. But Matt Frewer is awesome. Jeff Fahey Matt is Frewer kind of is big. awesome, but. Well, all right. I, I will reiterate, Jeff. I will reiterate, Jeff. He is actually good in this role, and it's not his fault the movie's bad. I think I've told this before, but I was at a convention where Jeff Fahey threw a gigantic fit at his table at a convention because they didn't have blue sharpies for him, and he got so worked up that he had to be kicked out of the convention. Yeah, it's so, a bit much. Yeah. Jeff Fahey has has made an amazing career out of somehow being in one episode of every TV show that's been made in the last 30 years. <laughs> it's, it's actually pretty impressive. If you look at his IMDb, you're like, what the fuck? Is it, he just went from show to show to show doing one fucking guest spot? Yeah, that's called being just famous enough that you can get work without being famous enough that, or being good enough at acting that you're allowed to just be a regular on a show. Mm-hmm. You know, Lost for a while, though, right? Yeah, I was getting ready to say he was on Lost. Had to give the man that but wasn't he a, was, was he on After It Turned and became shit? I can't remember. Well, wasn't he... He was one of the pilots, wasn't he? Was he with the people from the tail section? I think so. I can't remember. I don't know. Then I think when they went back to, spoiler alert, when they get off the island, I think, uh, I don't know if he came back after that. I don't remember. Uh, I try not to remember that show. It gets me upset. (laughs) There's no such thing as a spoiler for Lost because the ending sucks. That's my art. And there's so many many unanswered questions in that show that it's like you can't technically spoil it because you're like, and then they ask this question. Oh, and what comes next? Nothing. Just let it go. Just saying, you remember how good it was whenever there was a secret bunker and a smoke monster? Don't we talk about this like every week? I think we do. It was so good. Remember when the blast door came out and there was a map on the back of it and everybody freaked out? You remember when they got to the, the center of the island and it turned out to be a maze only inhabited by lawnmower monkey and a revolver? <laughs> uh, lawnmower oh, monkey and dead. ghost dog just sitting down having a hot dog together? <laughs> ghost dog! <laughs> oh, see, that would have been the perfect transition to the uh, to the next segment, but we're not done yet. Yeah, we got a whole other movie to talk about. Yeah. Uh, Doug, do you want to break down body parts? Sure. Uh, body parts is uh, so Jeff Fahey is like a psychiatrist that deals with people on death row, and he's in a car accident. And he loses his arm, and he gets a, a new arm attached. Basically, there's some some new scientific experimental thing to reattach other people's limbs. Um, 
finds out that the arm used to belong to a serial killer. And he also notices that the arm is starting to have kind of a mind of his own. He's having nightmares that are of the serial killer's uh, killings. His arm strikes his child, which is very out of character for him. He starts to starts to do other things that are... Was at one point he's asleep and his arm just starts choking his wife's <laughs> neck. Um, As you do. And yeah, so he's... He tracks down some other people who also got limbs from the same serial killer and finds out that some weird shit's going on with them. Uh, Brad Dourif plays an artist who has been painting shit that is very reminiscent of the stuff from Jeff Fahey's dreams. So he realizes that the evil might reside within the flesh, I think is the term he uses. Mm -hmm. The other guy's just better at basketball because he got the legs of a serial killer, which is kind of weird. Um, <laughs> the serial well, killer was, was amazing. He was playing all that ball in prison, you know? Yes, I guess. You know, when you're on death row for... Well, when you're on death row for like six months, because they show the time frame, and the guy was just like convicted of murder in 89 and executed in 90 or something like that. It's like, he's... They, 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 don't, they forgot that you're supposed to be on death row for like 10 years before they kill you. They didn't, they didn't make that part of the movie. Um, and then, yeah, the dude with the legs all of a sudden gets killed and that's when we realize I guess spoiler alert for the giant plot twist this movie takes <laughs> which is that the serial killer has is still alive I think his head has been transplanted onto another's body and now he's going around killing these people trying to get his body parts back <laughs> which is what a drastic fuck? departure from what was going on earlier in the movie <laughs> <laughs> um so Jeff Fahey tracks him down and finds out that the serial killer is working with the doctor who did all the surgeries and for some reason kept the serial killer alive. And Jeff Fahey says, enough's enough. We're not doing that anymore. And he puts a stop to it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, all the problems have gone away and everything's fine now. Yeah, I... So my opinion is the movie has two major problems. Uh, number one, there's a pacing issue because once once shit goes yep. berserk, this is a fucking great movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> I kind of dig it. I kind of dig uh, no neck running around trying to fucking steal body parts off people. That's awesome. But the second problem is uh, the bad guy who who I was just referring to, no neck, most unscary. <laughs> killer bad guy of all time like he is they, not even at the end of the movie when there's a good chance he's gonna kill the guy you're like yeah i don't get no he's not he's look at him look at how yeah. stupid he looks well because he has that big neck brace thing on which there is their way of showing that like oh if you can take that off you can easily kill him because his head is not sewn on properly basically um but the problem is it just looks so goofy yeah See, it's weird because similar to the last movie, this movie is two movies in one, right? Because like, that's apparently our our secondary theme for the week is movies that are two movies in one. Because the first movie is about you get your arm transplanted, the arm came from a serial killer, so it starts to have a mind of its own, which is a really interesting idea, and you could do kind of a dark horror movie about that. And then the second movie is about... The serial, this mad scientist who 
kept the serial killer alive, and now the serial killer is reclaiming his body parts. And that's a fun fucking slasher type idea that could make a really fun movie. But the two really don't go hand in hand very well. <laughs> it's, it's just, yeah, if they would have just if they would have just spaced out the people who had the limbs getting killed throughout the movie. Yeah, if that was the mystery and other stuff kind of filler between those moments, it would have been a much better movie. Yeah, yeah, like, I think... Because the problem is, too, at the end, it's like, well, all that stuff about, well, all the talking about, well, where does evil reside? Is it in the soul? Is it in the flay? All that nonsense was all pointless, apparently. And all the stuff about Jeff Ayyem and these... We never discuss, okay... Why did he have these dreams about a serial killer then if all of that was not the plot of the movie? Like, it's it's all just dropped when we realize the serial killer is still alive. So there's, this, there's a, again, that's it. that could be a good movie, an interesting movie, and you'd get this, you could just picture this, like, really dark ending to that movie where all of a sudden, like, Jeff he's there with his family with no arm because he'd had it removed because it was evil. Okay, that could be a movie. And that, like, this movie you're describing about having, like, a mystery about what the hell is happening to these people who got these body parts and culminating in the fucking batshit insanity that is the last 20 minutes of this movie would be a good movie as well. It's just weird how they're meshed together. Yeah, it would have been, it would, like, I mean, once again, hindsight's twenty twenty, and rewriting movies is easy. But if at the end of the movie we found out that, Chuck is just like a head in a vat or something, you know what I mean? And it's some weird psychic thing where yeah. he's reaching out through his limbs. Mm-hmm. That would have been cool as fuck, too. And, and yeah, then you I wouldn't mean, have had yeah. weird no-neck Bryce guy trying to, <laughs> trying to be scary. Yeah, but then, you, but then you wouldn't have had, like, Brad Dourif, like, hanging out that window, and then the guy pulls his arm off, and he just falls to his death. <laughs> and, and I don't want to lose that scene. Or True. we get the, the great visual of that guy fucking with the, they're having the car chase moment, which is that car chase is, by the way, why this movie is on our to watch list. All I could remember about this movie was the two guys driving with their handcuffs together. And I just I'm like, I want to watch that again. I haven't seen it since the 90s. But uh, when that car crash happens and we see him like gathering up the limbs and running away from the car. <laughs> that's a that's a clapping moment for me. I'm like, this is amazing. I am loving watching this wannabe slasher gather up the par- body parts. You know, we never see Jason do that, right? We always see the bodies like positioned later, but we never get to watch him carry them around and set them up. This guy, we get to see him running around carrying two severed legs and a severed arm. One thing that is not explained in this movie that I find a little terrifying is that the torso was somehow preserved. So, did yeah. did someone get a torso transplant? <laughs> I just feel like that's the implication. I don't understand it. Because if if that torso, if, if there's no like missing scene where that torso was attached to somebody else and this guy went and got it back then why wouldn't she just put his head back on his own torso? Why would she put his head on some other body? Is it just so that he would have a body to use to reclaim the other limbs? Oh, I may have answered my own question. Now I think that's the answer. I think she put his head on another body. She stored the torso in that vat so the head could go using the new body to go collect the other body parts so that she could put them all back together. 
that's now now I think that's the plot of the movie. <laughs> yeah, and do they do they establish because there's clearly some kind of a connection between the doctor and the killer? Do they ever establish what that actually is? Yes. Um, I don't remember. I think what happened is that she is just. It's not really stated, but it's kind of implied that she's willing to do almost anything to advance her research. That's she's that's the typical mad scientist thing. And I think she just gets him to go along with it because she needs someone to voluntarily give up all their arms and shit, right? So she, I think, gets him to go along with it because it's his way of beating death row. And she goes along with it because she can advance the technology of them transplants. So. Yeah. Does that make sense? Brian, you do not sound like you were interested in this movie at all. Uh, interestingly enough, I just, I watched this for the first time a couple of years ago. Um, okay. so this is the second time I watched it. And the first time I watched it, uh, I was not a huge fan. Um, but I actually okay. thought it was just okay this time. So it's improving. And maybe it's because I knew, like, all the crazy stuff is coming up. Um, yeah. So maybe I was fine with everything else, but, yeah. To me, I think a better movie is is more of a supernatural one where, uh, okay, all these people get transplants, but then the body parts themselves try to reconnect. So, so like, the basketball dude, like, his legs are just like, nah, fuck this. And then just, like disconnect themselves like tear themselves from his body or something I don't know I feel like there's something fun in there I think yeah there's if you went with the body parts are basically possessed or whatever then there's an interesting idea that the body parts would want to like be working together or get back together or something there's something you could explore there but I I think this movie would be there's a really interesting there could be a very fun remake where this is more of just a a slashery type movie about a guy trying to get his body parts back or you know a different remake where you just it's almost like you could have the two movies come out at the same time both called body parts both be remakes of this and be completely different movies <laughs> yeah one yeah one one is exploring the you know the possessed limbs element of it which is a cool story like we've seen i'm trying to think of where where's the fucking plot line about like the the toupee that's made out of a serial killer's hair or something and somebody puts it on and they go killing it's like an old twilight zone i think that idea has been explored before and it's kind of fun and then like you know i could say like the, the slasher movie version with all the blood and guts and craziness is obviously something we would all enjoy yeah. you know what yeah. i found really interesting about this movie though? uh what? jeff Fahey, not very good in it <laughs> which makes no sense because it's a way less challenging role than what he had in the other movie. It's a way less challenging role in a movie that clearly makes a lot more sense. And he is boring as shit in it. Like they're like, just pretend to be these kids dad. And he's like, I don't know how to do that. Act like a human. Can't. Sorry. Can't like every scene where he's like with his kids and he's like, daddy's got to go away for a while. And it's like, no one believes you're their dad. If I saw you talking to those kids like that in public, I would dial 911. <laughs> you just, you look like a guy who's trying to convince those kids that you're their dad when you're not. It's fucking ridiculous. I don't understand why he's not good in it. Okay, stole part of my bacon off my plate and ate it, and then just threw the rest of it back on my plate. I don't get it. 
Nobody else noticed that. <laughs> the kids are trying to have breakfast, and he's like talking to him. He just grabs bacon <laughs> off the kid's plate, and then just throws the remainder yeah. back on his plate. I know. I know. I because it makes no sense. Because first of all, like, don't do that to your kids. That's child abuse, taking away their bacon. And then secondly, once you've stolen bacon, eat the fucking bacon. Like, yeah. Did you have enough bacon? There's no such thing as enough bacon. It makes no sense. Uh, motherfuckers. So what else? Since we complained about the cowboy outfits in the last movie, I gotta bring this up. The <laughs> fucking turtleneck sweaters, man. <laughs> Those big, puffy turtleneck sweaters. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Oh, I don't care. On, sweater weather. I don't care if it was 1991. I, I can't. I can't accept those. Sorry. It was very frustrating for me to, when he when he would like he had one on and then the next scene he's like wearing like a suit or whatever and I'm like oh thank God that that's over and then he had like three different giant turtleneck sweaters in this movie I'm like stop it just fucking stop it <laughs> what's wrong with his neck why can't we see his neck has he been bitten by a vamp- vampire and he doesn't want us to know is that going to be the plot twist <laughs> hmm. yeah. Yeah, but I agree. There's there's a good movie in there somewhere. Just don't yeah. think don't think it was this movie. No, it's it. it this movie's a, a missed opportunity, and it's just it, it's it's a little upsetting to watch it because of that. But it is super fun to watch that last bit because that's just fucking crazy. And it's got Brad Dourif in it, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, which I completely forgot Brad about until he showed up. His performance is really fun in the movie too. Like, like he, when he's doing his like weird paintings, and Jeff he's telling him like, you know, isn't there something strange about this? And he's like, I don't give a fuck. I made like two and a half. Uh, what do you, it's like I made two hundred fifty grand on my last painting. I'm glad I got a serial killer's arm to paint with. <laughs> oh, you know what? I think I found I like a way to, the, to fix this movie. You swap Jeff Fahey and Brad Dourif as actors. I think it instantly becomes better because I feel like Brad Dourif would have done a way better performance. Absolutely not. You never let Brad Dourif act around children. The therapy most of those kids are just my ass Brad Dourif. I was, I was going to say. Dourif is allowed to be the voice of something that interacts with a child, but not to be the actual person that interacts with a child. The other problem is Brad Dourif, no matter how uh, sweet and uh, anything he's attempting to be, he always comes off as a villain. So it wouldn't be convincing that it changed. He would just hit his kid and you'd be like, yep. <laughs> okay. Okay. At the end, you'd find it completely unbelievable when he tries to fight the bad guys. You'd be like, no, real Brad Dourif would never do that. He'd just, he'd just sign on for their next set of weird experiments. Well, how about we do this? We, then we make him, uh, what the fuck did you call him, no-neck? Oh, see? And expand expand his part and make him more, a bigger part of the movie. It's old. And then we take out I, I, Jeff Fahey and replace him with, <laughs> with Lawnmower Monkey. <laughs> I was going to say Lawnmower Pierce Brosnan. Versus, versus Brad Dourif. <laughs> I was going to say Pierce Brosnan. Because I think he actually would have been good as that character. But anytime we can replace an actor with Lawnmower Monkey, I think that's a way better idea. It's just going to be his thing from now on. <laughs> just him and Ghost Dog. Ghost Dog. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do we have any other comments? Did we get what you guys... 
actually feel about this movie? Like, would, you, would either of you recommend this movie to somebody? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of the watch. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I feel like I'd recommend it to people who would enjoy the batshit ending, and I'd really want to watch them be bored through the first half. And then when shit just goes crazy and be like, he's going to... They're driving along. They're handcuffed together in those two cars for a long time, eh? <laughs> Jeff Fahey keeps, like, leaning over and punching him. It's him five and a half minutes of him going, left, right, shoot him, don't shoot him. <laughs> here's, here's another question. That cop that's in the car with him. Why is it like a Jamaican guy dressed up as a 1950s private investigator who's a homicide detective for the New York City police. Was that, That's weird, right? Was that T'Challa's dad? It might have been. No, that acted the deep human. I don't know. I don't know. Just kind of looked like him. I, it's been a while since I yeah. saw uh, Winter Soldier. Civil War. Yeah, I just... Civil War. I just don't think he... Like, keeping in mind this movie was from 91. I just don't... I think the guy would... This guy would have been way too old to have grown up to be T'Challa's dad. Find out. Whose name name we should probably know if we're going to talk about him commonly. Uh, well, it's not. It's not. Uh, wouldn't be uncommon not to know it because his name is Zakes Mokay. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he died in 2009 probably means he wasn't mm. T'Challa's dad. Yeah. That's that's strong evidence against. But he was in Waterworld and The Serpent and the Rainbow, so. I don't know. I just thought maybe it was him because he has kind of like the, uh, I don't know, the same like uh, receding hairline and that uh, weird accent. I don't think you're allowed to call his accent weird. I think that's technically racist. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I would call it an African accent, but I don't know enough about accents to know it's an African accent. So if I called it an African accent and it wasn't, then I'm racist. (laughs) Well, I called it Jamaican earlier, so and now we know that he was in Serpent in the Rainbow, so I kind of think it's Haitian. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I don't know how we yeah, got I'm here. I'm sad because we're talking about that, and Chad was dead. Oh my god! Yeah. Did, did, did everybody else know he was sick? Am I the only one who didn't know? No. I I had no fucking idea. And from the articles I read, apparently Marvel knew he was sick, but they were never told how sick he was. <laughs> So I'm sure they're Fair, fucking... They probably wouldn't have hired him. Yeah. I'm guessing they did have a plan. So I'm sure they're scrambling now. Yeah. And they'll figure it out. I saw someone Luckily, point out, though... Allowed to make movies. Uh, I saw someone point out, though... Um, you could tell Chadwick Boseman surrounded himself with good people. Because not one goddamn person snitched that he was sick to anybody. Yeah. you guys hear the other news that came out today that I saw one article on and I assume it's true until I find out otherwise which is that uh, Robert Pattinson has been tested for coronavirus and they are, oh, yeah. can't film until he gets better yep. so saw that at first it was just somebody let's... somebody had corona and they had to shut down and then suddenly it was oh no Robert Pattinson's the yeah. one who had corona yeah Got so, that bat Ronan. It's kind of ironic that he's getting sick from the bat disease, and therefore he can't play Batman. 
hopefully he gets better and therefore it's appropriate to joke about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a rough week for superheroes. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. What did everybody watch since last time? Watch stuff. Uh... <laughs> Can went to the theaters. Specific, yeah, I oh. went to the theaters. And... I thought I thought you were saying you watched the stuff, which I was like, oh, that's a no. good movie. I I kind of wish I had watched the stuff. I love the scene with the dog. I put it on the list because I've never seen it, so we'll get to it. Oh, really? That's I find that one surprising. I, I that yeah, seems the type of movie you would have seen. And we need uh, two movies about edible stuff that can that. kill you. Uh, so I went and saw New Mutants, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it was pretty good. Yeah, I'm interested I, in checking I, it out. Yeah, so it's it's kind of hard to like place it somewhere because it's it's a Fox movie. So I mean, caveat caveat to be saying it's good. It's a Fox movie. Uh, it's obviously not good in the way that like Logan was good mm-hmm. because Logan is a legit good movie. Okay. And, but this one is far superior to most of the shit that uh, Fox put out. Better than uh, Phoenix or Apocalypse? Uh, it, well, seeing how those two movies are fucking terrible, <laughs> I would say yes. Okay, good. I, would, I, just, I, would, I just wanted I to be better than that. I would say it was better than, like, Days of Future Past. Ooh, that one's a pretty good one. Yeah. Okay. But once again... Days of Future Past is only an okay movie. It's just good on the Fox scale. <laughs> yeah, but you know how yeah. I am about time travel stuff. Right. Uh, I only have one huge complaint about it because it, it, they did some stuff. So it's more of a horror movie than a superhero movie, mm-hmm. which is interesting, even though they, they don't shy away. So, like, they talk about mutants at the very beginning of the movie. So there's no... You know, they're in an insane asylum and they don't know they have powers. You, you, there's none of that yeah. bullshit, which is what the trailers made it look like they were going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead, it's just more like a straight up. They're in a mental treatment facility and there's some weird shit going on. Although they telegraph it real bad. So if you haven't figured out what's going on in the first 20 minutes of the movie, you don't watch very many movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so that was good. Because I was like, okay, well, it's not just a generic origin story. It's this other, they did this other thing with it, which was fun. Uh, I like almost all the characters. Fucking Cannonball, they kind of nailed. Which is a character from the comic books that I really, really like. Because his entire thing is, he's, he's a redneck from Kentucky. And his superpower is kind of fucked up. I don't do you guys are you guys familiar with Cannonball at all? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, not particularly. Okay, so so for Doug, his superpowers basically he can kind of uh charge this energy in his body 
and cause explosions that will like propel him, but he doesn't have any superpowers as far as stopping or landing or <laughs> not hurting himself. So it's kind of a crazy power. You know, he's like, uh, he can basically turn himself into a kamikaze missile, which is great. I mean, especially for a movie, because it, it's something where he can't just use his power all the time because he'll fucking kill himself, like, which is awesome. And then Magic's in it, and Magic's a crazy fucking character, and they actually managed to, like, bring her to life on screen. And I was like, OK, well, that's impressive. But is there any illusion that she's Cyclops' sister or Colossus' sister? Uh, they don't make any references to it. Hmm. Although they do show her last name, so I don't think they're shying away from the fact that she's who she is. Yeah. But, I mean, they bring in all the stuff, like Limbo and her pet dragon and (laughs) all that, all that weird fucking stuff. So that was awesome. Uh, Sunspot, they kind of did weird because I I think his special effect was a little more expensive than some of the other ones. (laughs) So he doesn't use his powers through most of the movie. Hmm. And But the main character, they went with Danielle Moonstone, in which I just, I don't fucking get that. I don't, I don't know who made the decision to take a character that no one gives a fuck about. Just nobody fucking cares about that character. I sure as hell don't. They've had to revamp her and her powers like 20 times in the comics to try to keep people interested in her. And it didn't fucking work. Like, nobody gives a shit. So why make her the main character? I don't, I just can't fathom it. I don't know. Maybe they're limited on the characters they had to work with. I mean, mean, I'm sure they were. And there's a good chance that all it is is they wanted to, like, give the cast a little bit of diversity, in which that's that's fine. I don't really have any complaints about that. I think that's a, a reasonable thing to do. I just, that character in particular, I don't like. I would have rather it had been, like, Warpath or one of the other five million mutants. Yeah. But, but all in all, I, I, I mean, I'd recommend it. It was all right. It so my, my follow-up question is how was your theater experience? It was okay. They did a good job of, so it was assigned seating and they did social distancing stuff. And most of the people in the theater were being polite and wearing their masks, except for like one group of assholes on one end that none of them were wearing their masks and mm-hmm. just flagrantly being dicks about not wearing their mask. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where somebody in their group was like, hey, you know, you should probably put your mask back on. They're like, rah, 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 it's hot. Rah. Yeah. So that's it. Besides, besides one group of holdout assholes, it was fine. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm just kind of wary. I don't know if I'm ready to go back to a theater or not. It was all right. I, I'd say if you've got like an assigned seating theater, it's probably fine. I wouldn't go to a regular theater. Yeah. Well, I want to see Tenet and we have an IMAX theater and the IMAX theater is assigned seating. I feel so. bad about going to see Tenet just because a bunch of people who were in that movie have said, don't go see this movie in the theater. <laughs> we told them not to release it. and They did it anyway. <laughs> Oh. So that's it's a little weird. I don't know. I don't yeah. know if you should respect the wishes of the people in the movie or not. You know. Yeah, I don't know. I just know with Nolan movies, it's usually better to see it in a theater at least the first time. Right. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, 
And then, of course, I picked up uh, Bill and Ted. All right. Which I saw on Friday. My opinion is it's all right. Is it was funny? Uh, it was pretty nostalgic. I think most of it was well written. I just, I think they fucked up a few things. Okay. That I, I don't even know if I have a right to complain about them. Like the t- so, in the first two movies, the time travel mechanics are clearly not super well thought out, but they make enough sense that you don't have to like question what's going on. And in this one is the first time that I was like, wait, no, none of that makes sense. Like none of that could have happened if time travel works anywhere near the way it worked in the previous two movies. Like, I don't, I don't fucking get it. No. Cause like, are the thems from the future just fucking with them? Like intentionally throwing them off because that's the only way it makes sense. I think they just become but, assholes. Yeah, but that, but they can be true because they at the end when they go back, you know, they go the last time. Though that version of them in the fu- in the far future knew what had happened on the day that they fixed everything, which means they always had known what had happened through all of those. Meaning it was already fixed, meaning they just like dressed like assholes and acted like assholes to teach themselves a lesson, which doesn't once again, it just doesn't none of it fucking makes any sense. Uh, It's something you're just not supposed to question and just go. with, Right. Right. But like I said, in the first movies, it's loose enough and direct enough that you don't have to question it. In this one, they they almost intentionally draw t- attention to a couple things. And then you're like, yeah, but those things don't make sense. Now you, you fuck them all up. And so in the future, <laughs> Bill and Ted, well, that spoiler. So maybe I won't say that. I haven't seen it. Yeah. 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 Never mind. Spo- spoiler alert. But the ending, the ending of the movie is kind of super fucked up. If you rewatch the first movies and and they're all supposed to take place in the same timeline, if you stop and think about it for two seconds, sure. But I that guess. that that and the the robot characters are like super funny through the first part of the movie, and then by the end of the movie, you're like, stop, it's too much. You guys have gone way too fucking far with this joke, and it's fucking dumb. Eh, it doesn't bother me. Really? Oh man, that became insufferable by the end of the movie. Yep, didn't have a problem. Uh, my opinion is that the movie is uh, just good-natured fun, some nostalgia, like you said. And, uh, yeah, I just... Uh, it's kind of a movie that everybody can just watch and have a good time with and not not really worry too much about, which I think is a movie kind of everybody needs right now. Yeah, and like I said, most of the humor lands. I just think a couple things, they... I think they pushed the joke too far and it's like, okay, you guys went, you guys went over the edge with that joke and it's not funny anymore. The fucking, especially at the beginning of the movie, their experimental music at the beginning is one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, (laughs) it's fucking ridiculous. Like, why are they playing it at a wedding? Right, right. Yeah. Mindy. Missy, but come on. Now, did you even Missy, watch these movies? Sorry. I get names wrong. Leave me alone. Mold. Um, but yeah, I say if you just need a good, like, 
uh, I feel good after watching kind of movie. Um, I would I would recommend it. I was going to say I've got on Voodoo uh, the three pack, so uh, all three movies in four K thirty five dollars. So yeah. if you buy that, and even if you hate the new movie, you got both the old movies for <laughs> in four K for thirty five dollars, which is all right. There you go. You uh, you gonna check this one out, Doug? I definitely want to see it. I couldn't quite pull the trigger last weekend. I was staring at the rental. It was like 20 bucks or something. And I'm like, eh. Yeah. Like, it was one of those, like, maybe I can get some people to come over or something. Yeah. yeah my, that out. my friend uh, is obsessed with baseball. And he made a uh, giant wiffle ball field in his backyard. And it is pretty awesome. So he put up like a big screen, like on the, on the, um, I don't know what you call it, like the outfield wall of his wiffle ball field. And we watched the Bill and Ted projected on it. Nice. It's pretty good. I need to rewatch it just because there was a lot going on um, and stuff. But yeah, it was, it was a fun way to sit outside and watch it. Yeah, it's, I think I'd be much more interested in seeing it would be outside than inside right now. It's- yeah. Our drive in theater here closed like last year, and I was like, God damn it, this would have been the perfect summer to have one. Totally. Would have, right. pro- probably would have saved the drive in. Yeah. Uh, and then I've only got three episodes left of Cobra Kai. Oh. I've I haven't started it almost yet. all the way through. Uh, I have no idea how you have held off this long because I watched the entire series over the course of two days. I, <laughs> oh my god! If if I could have, I would have. I've been literally like every time I get thirty minutes free, I'm like, okay, episode of Cobra Kai. <laughs> um, it is better than it deserves to be. Like I don't by a long shot. Yeah, I just don't. I don't fucking. It's it's kind of hard to explain. Like they kind of just hit the nail right on the head. Yes, and especially the first season. See, I think even the second season's going great. But they kind of... I like the fact that they took they took the themes from the movies and then they took the themes from people's interpretations of the movies and kind of mixed it all together to recontextualize everything and be like, okay, well, you know, life's not as cut and dry as the nerdy kid gets taught karate and gets to beat up the bully and be the hero. Yeah. Yeah. No, they they really delve into the sort of, um, and they do, they do it in a lighthearted way so that you're not kind of like getting bogged down in the drama, but they really delve into the like, well, why would a kid become a bully? And how would a kid get drawn into a place like Cobra Kai? And then, okay, once they're in there, it's like, well, you know, Daniel, we, we discussed, so I think we, was this podcast where we discussed the, uh, the Karate Kid? I think we did. And we, yeah. we were pretty clear, like, he's not exactly innocent. And, you know, like, yeah, there are definitely moments where he could have let the situation go and chose not to. And, yeah, right. you know, he's, a, he's an agitator. Yeah, and so there's they really kind of delve into that, and I, I think they do like a wonderful job of bringing it out to like you know this idea that by, by kind of flipping the script, where in the 
in this version now daniel's the really successful kind of rich kid and johnny is the kind of poor guy i think they do a good job of showing like it's i don't know it's like they're they're two sides of the same coin in some ways and neither one of them was ever innocent neither one of them was ever really that bad of a guy they just got it's just the situation they found themselves in which is really interesting for them to go back and do that and do it successfully right I, I like the theme they basically start talking about it in the first couple episodes and it's gone through the first two seasons but the idea of uh, that Miyagi was always trying to teach Daniel that there's this balance to everything that you need to kind of maintain and that going yeah. too far one way never works for anything and that theme's done so fucking well on the show because there's this idea that, like, what Johnny's teaching his kids, I mean, is kind of necessary because he's trying to teach them, like, confidence and don't take shit from people and, you know, stand up for yourself yeah. and, and, you know, don't don't let people fucking walk on you and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, he goes too far, which turns into, you know, strike first and hurt people, you know, which is bad. And then yeah. I, even he recognizes that his own method does that. And then you've got Daniel who kind of slow plays everything. And I, and he's always trying to do the right thing, but by trying to always do the right thing, he never bothers to like stop and fucking take a look at what's going on around him and realize that maybe he's the one that's being a dick. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really it's there's an interesting in season two when some of the people start trying to come to Miyagi Do to start training, and he just assumes that they'll all jump right on board with everything right away. Because, you know, he just starts wanting to do chores around there and stuff, um, and they're walking away, and he's getting frustrated. And it's like, well, yeah, because you didn't sit down and talk to them. You just kind of you assumed you knew everything, right? Like he your holier-than-thou attitude is backfiring on you. And yes, eventually, theoretically, you're right. You're the good guy here. You're trying to teach them to use karate for defense and teach it, you know, to, to, to be a better lifestyle than what's coming out of Cobra Kai. But at least they're giving them something that they want right away, which is going to get people on side. And it's just, it's really interesting the way all that stuff plays out. Yeah, and I like the fact that, like, in season two, he's like throwing himself at the dojo so hard, just trying to help these kids, but not realizing like he's putting so much effort into that. He's kind of neglecting his family. Yeah. Yeah. Like all that is, I think, played pretty well. Like, again, it's all like very serious stuff, but it's played just lighthearted enough that you don't get too caught up in it. Um, I like the lot of the, yeah, I like. I like a lot about the show. Like it's, it's, I think it's excellent. I, I also don't know if this was on purpose or not, but the kid who plays Robbie, uh, Johnny's son, looks yeah. way too fucking much like Jonathan Brandis. <laughs> so, Karate Kid sidekicks crossover. I, I'm telling yeah, you, like you should see it. He's got, he's <laughs> got the haircut, and he's kind of got the same. I don't know how to describe it. He's got the soft face. Yeah. Uh, I can see it. But uh, like you said, I don't know if that's maybe they did it on purpose. Maybe they wanted him to look like Jonathan Brandis, but <laughs> it's a little awkward. Yeah, I, don't, I like his whole storyline too. I think he's uh, very interesting. Like that's the one thing about the show that I found 
surprising was I like all the like teenager characters, which I normally like as an adult, it's hard to relate to those teenager characters in shows now. Um, but I found all of them, like the Miguel character, I liked him a lot at the beginning. And I, when he started to transition into more of a bully character, I didn't like that. I felt, I felt myself bothered by the way it was going. Um, like uh, Karate Kid's daughter there, like I'm pretty sure 15 year old me would have a total crush on that girl. Like she's, I just, I really like the character. She's kind of like kind but tough at the same time, if that makes any sense. He does I, look I, like I Jonathan Brandis. <laughs> More importantly, did, did you feel a little bit like season one that they completely almost stole the uh, the plot of Rocky for some reason? I mean, like, well, technically they stole the plot of Karate Kid, but Karate Kid stole the plot of Rocky. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, but except at the end, it's not about the uh, it's not about the kid who was you know training and and learning the special Miyagi moves when and it's more about you know going the distance and you know showing up and all that kind of shit yeah there's that element of it it's a little it is again like it's a little more complex than the original Karate Kid movies um yeah I can see the Rocky comparison right the uh the, the fight scenes are all really well coordinated yeah yeah, there is a fight scene at the end of season two, which is, I won't spoil exactly what happens. You can probably predict some of the characters that are going to be in it. But uh, I, I'm almost assuming it's going to be all the characters. It's, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it after you've seen it, but like it's a little over the top considering these are supposed to be teenagers getting into fights, but it is really impressive what they pull off. It's like, I'm like, Jesus Christ, how do you coordinate all this? And yeah. they managed to have like a few like very humorous moments in the middle of it and stuff like that. That's funny. That's just yeah, I'm, I'm ex- yeah, I'm expecting they're going to completely destroy something and get in a ton of trouble, but I don't know what yet. Because there are definitely, there are undertones of war that keep getting brought up over and over and over and over and over again. yeah. And on on both sides, and I think that's the bad that I don't think Daniel understands that he's kind of feeding into this too, and it's going to cause a clash rather than what he thinks it is. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious throughout season two that they're you know they're leading towards Daniel not, and it starts it really in season one actually, but they, he doesn't understand that he's escalating the situation rather than making it better by constantly trying to fight back against Cobra Kai and while it's understandable that he wants something like that to go away it's not uh, he's not handling it the best yeah oh he what did you think about the bringing I, I was going to say Daniel I think out of everyone in the show Daniel's the one who keeps pissing me off over and over again <laughs> because he he basically says something that Miyagi says and then immediately does the opposite you know, like one of the very first things that happens is he explains the whole Miyagi thing where he said, you know, Miyagi-Do is only for self-defense. Rule number two, you know, learn rule number one, basically. And then immediately he's like, no, we got to fight back. And it's like, yeah, but that's exactly what he taught you not to do. Yeah. But, you know, that's it's about him relearning those lessons. That's one of the his plot line is basically him you know, he's gone off 
in the wrong direction and he's got to come back and we see that literally happening with them restoring the old dojo and stuff uh, i like all, all of it i don't know what did you think about them bringing back the original um sensei for from cobra kai and then that clash between him and johnny that goes on throughout season two Greece. i dig it and so does he have arthritis or did they just do great special effects on his hands to represent him smashing his hands up at the end of that movie i'm not sure he was in vfw it didn't seem to have any issues with his hands I don't, true. I don't they, know you say it. Yeah, they did something where he holds his hands in this weird way, and it looks like his knuckles are always swollen. And I think it's supposed to be a reference to him smashing his hands on the car windows at the end of Karate Kid. Maybe. Beginning of Karate Kid 2. Uh, oh, the beginning of 2. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I really... I, uh, I really... Okay. Oh, I was getting ready to say, I got a little nervous, so I like all the flashbacks to the movies, but... Uh, three quarters of the way through season two, they made a direct reference to Karate Kid three, and I was like, "Oh no, no Karate Kid three. Yeah. I don't mind three. Well, it's funny. Don't bring up four though. The whole time though, they referenced like that he Daniels this two time karate champion because, uh, and you're like, okay, so they are acknowledging that three happened because otherwise he'd only be a one time champion kind of thing. But I, I really I, like. I just didn't know if they would directly reference it like that. Well, yeah, they reference it a couple times throughout season two, and you're like, okay, maybe for season three, the bad guy will come back. Don't know. See, um, yeah, but in season two, like, you, I think you'll appreciate this part of it, Brian, if you when you get around to watching it. Is, um, basically, like, Chris comes back right at the end of season one, and the a main plot line in season two is that Johnny is realizing the problems with the Cobra Kai way of teaching people, but Kreese is basically trying to push him out and constantly trying to basically get over, take over and go back to the old style of teaching these kids to be extra violent, extra aggressive and all that stuff. And it's, I think it's handled really well. Like you start to see the different things happening and it's, I, I, I loved watching those two kind of, be on this collision course towards the end of the season where they finally are clearly not seeing eye to eye anymore is really interesting yeah the emotional the emotional stuff that johnny goes through through all this is probably the most intriguing part of the entire show yeah because like like you 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 know him him dealing with you know crease just being a bastard and uh is trying to bring back all this stuff that is nothing but these raw wounds in his life and he still can't do anything yeah. about it because he still looks at him as like a father figure it's, it's so fucked yeah, up it's yeah yeah i don't know the show is excellent i think people should watch it if people aren't watching it i don't think we've spoiled anything that would take away from your enjoyment of it the other thing i think that we should mention about it is just how fucking good it is at walking the line between like acknowledging the ridiculousness of the fact that we're watching a show where the basic premise is that the kid who won the karate tournament in 1980 whatever his life is great because he won a karate tournament the other guy's life is crap because he lost a karate tournament (laughs) and every now and again there's just these wonderful moments where they're just like like daniel walks into this like committee where it's like the 
committee that runs the tournament and they're all like, Hey, the champ is here. And they're all excited to see him. And you're all like, Oh, everyone thinks he's a big deal. Cause he won this tournament 30 years ago. And then you turn around a minute later and there's guys just like arguing about what color the mats should be for next year's tournament. <laughs> and you realize, Oh, these guys are all dorks. That's why they're excited to see the guy that won the tournament 30 years ago. <laughs> and there's like these other moments where it's just like the, Daniel's well, it, wife is like constantly like, like da- like Daniel and Johnny are gonna fight one night in Daniel's backyard, and his wife comes up. She's like, "You're grown men. What are you gonna do? One of you's gonna kick the other one into the pool." And it's like, "Yeah, that's what would have happened in an '80s movie." And thank you for acknowledging how ridiculous it is, <laughs> but never quite crossing that line into making fun of the other the old movies. You know what I mean? It's just it's those moments are fantastic. I love the one they're in a restaurant and they run into each other and they're like trying not to sit beside each other. And the waitress is like, oh, do you know each other? And Daniel's wife is like, oh, they have warring karate dojos? The waitress is like, okay. (laughs) Like, whatever. What the fuck does that mean? Like, it's just, but it's just wonderful how they're just able to just go, we know it's ridiculous, but that's what this is. So just move, go play along. And it, it enables the audience to just kind of enjoy this without ever stopping and going, wait a minute. Why are they fighting so much about whose karate style is the best when one guy's a car dealer and the other guy like is a handyman? <laughs> Did you guys ever see uh, the music video from a band called No More Kings uh, that was directed by Billy Zapka, Johnny? No, and, uh, I don't think so. He it's a song about Karate Kid, and they got Billy Zabka to come is in. It, and dire- is it direct sweep the, video. the leg? Sweep the leg, yeah, yeah. And uh, they got Billy Zabka to come in and direct it, and he came up with the idea of the Johnny is like a giant loser since losing the tournament, and he lives in a trailer out in the desert. He still hangs out with the same like three guys that he hung out with in the first movie. Yeah. And they all just sit around, and he just keeps watching the tournament on videotape over and over and over. <laughs> and then uh, his wife, his like girlfriend, leaves him or whatever. And then uh, he basically starts daydreaming of what it would have been like if he had won. And so that it like cuts to him because he's he's aged spectacularly well, as much as uh, Ralph Macchio has. So he daydreams about him. <laughs> falling into like the same tournament but he's fighting like the lead singer of the band or whatever and then he wins instead of daniel i'll see if i can find it and send it to you guys this was like 15 years ago or something sweep the leg johnny this, this uh this show is kind of seems to be based on that music video to some extent <laughs> The other thing the show does wonderfully, I, I, I'm just heaping praise on this show. I hope that's okay because I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but every now and again, they do like the full-on just tribute moment to the original Karate Kid, and it's so fun. Like the one when the uh, when they're in the tournament in, in at the end of season one. Like I hope that's not a spoiler. It ends with the Karate Tournament. And, there's just this ridiculous moment where like they recreate the like what he's he's gonna fight everybody like 
Daniel LaRusso is going to fight, but they redo that. But now he's coming out to coach and they're doing this like ridiculous over the top. Like, I can't believe it. Daniel LaRusso is going to coach. And it's, but it's a perfect recreation and it's so fun to watch. <laughs> and it's just like, if you're somebody who grew up watching the karate kid, it's just so much fun to watch. And I'm like, they, they nailed it, you know, stuff like that and stuff like teenagers going on dates to the same place where Daniel took, uh, alley except it's now it's kind of like a old and run down and shit <laughs> it's like okay that's you know what i mean like that makes sense that's what happens to those places they don't make enough money to like revamp every five years <laughs> uh seems like i heard they, rumors they really that uh elizabeth shoe may be coming on for season three uh, they they've brought her character up about a million times yeah as like yeah, they've, they've mentioned her a couple of times. There's a whole thing where they're... Because one of the subplots is that Johnny doesn't understand it's not the 80s anymore, so he's always having to learn about simple, basic things, and somebody has to show him what Facebook is. So he kind of looks her up. <laughs> Put those hash browns on it. Hash brown, dojo. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't understand the internet at all. My, one of my favorite moments of the whole show is he's like he upgrades to a smartphone because he's been using a flip phone the whole time. <laughs> and when he upgrades to his smartphone, and then finally someone calls him, and he, his voicemail is like, "Hi, you've reached the smartphone answering machine of Johnny." It's like, <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> I love the fact that they finally get him to buy a laptop and like. The first five things he Googles are just so fantastic. Like, it's just dumb oh, shit. You know, he's like, it's like karate names. tournaments. <laughs> and, uh, oh, God, what was it? Because it was like the third or fourth one. Oh, Iron Eagle. Iron Eagle's made an appearance in this fucking show <laughs> 20 times. Because apparently it's Johnny's Iron favorite Eagle. movie and he just watches it over and over again. <laughs> keeps getting brought up it's whether one of the kids decides to put him on a dating app and he's like they're like what are your likes and he's like what do you mean like some like karate and hot babes and iron eagle like, <laughs> anything else he goes iron eagle too <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was gonna say but it's like yeah it's like karate tournaments uh something else iron eagle and then he finds porn <laughs> and he's like, just, uh, <laughs> just like amazed that there's this endless supply of porn. <sighs> yeah, the the running joke of him just like still like dressing and talking like it's the '80s and not understanding that time has passed it is really really well done. Every time one of the kids tells him to do something, he doesn't get it. Like, he's still hanging up posters like to try <laughs> to get people to come to his karate school. He's he's trying to motivate one of the kids uh, to go make his move on this girl and he's like yeah but what if she says no and he goes you don't take no for an answer and he's like whoa dude no means no and he's like <laughs> oh yeah no no whatever it comes to like physical stuff no means no nice <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah. uh, it's, yeah, it's so funny yeah, I might have to watch this whole show again when season three comes out. Start from scratch. Yeah, it's so it's so fucking good. Every moment of it's good, and the soundtrack is sick. I fucking I'm super into it too because it's it's nothing but like hair ballads for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for for every reason, it's great. Yeah, 
All right, we can move on. We've talked enough about crying. <laughs> I've seen memes about people people who watched it on YouTube that are all like, "Yeah, we told you this show was amazing years ago," and it's like, "Yeah, but yeah. I'm not buying fucking YouTube premium or whatever bullshit." I am so on your team on that because that's what I said. I was like, "It looks amazing." I bet it is amazing. I'm not paying for YouTube premium. Fuck YouTube. <laughs> Do you guys remember like back when it first came out and I, they put out episode one for free and I watched it and was like super excited and then found out you had to pay for episode two and got super angry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I said something about it on the podcast. If Seems about right. Wants to, anybody has like a lot of free time and wants to go back and re-listen to all of this bullshit, you can find me getting angry somewhere in the middle of there. I also kind of watching this has made me want to rewatch the Karate Kid movies. I think I might have to dive dive back in. I was considering that myself. I've watched one and two a lot of times, but I I've only dipped back into three once or twice. Maybe I'll give it. Maybe I'll give it one more one more go round. Want to lock them open their own fucking tree store? <laughs> Learn how to sweep. Oh. All right, you want to remember that part one? No, that was it. (laughs) All all Cobra Kai all the time. What'd you watch, Doug? Uh, Like I said, I got through Cobra Kai in one weekend, so I had some more spare time. (laughs) Uh, You know, you watch something nice and wholesome like that, you got to kind of offset it a little bit. So I stumbled across a movie called Murder Lust from I think like '85 or something like that. Have you guys heard of this one? It's got great poster art. Never seen it. Yeah, uh, yeah. basically it was the poster art that got my attention, so I went to IMDb and it's like, oh, there's not a single actor in the entire movie who even has a profile picture on IMDb. Eh? Well, now I gotta know, so I clicked play right away, right? <laughs> uh, basically, the movie is just, it's just a sleazy, grimy, garbage movie, a killer, who's, and we just follow him through his day-to-day life, and at the end of every day, he just and kills a chick that's the movie it's just that like over and over again like oh here he is uh, pretending to be a Sunday school teacher and then he's really mean to one of the students and then when that's over he goes out and he uh, kills a chick and here he is arguing with his cousin because he's trying to borrow some money because he's late on the rent and when that's all over he goes out and he kills a chick and that's just all that basically happens in the movie um, it was pretty good it was honestly better than I expected it to be. Just if you're into that, you know, sleazy eighties, just we're going to watch this guy strangle this chick to death kind of movie along the lines of maniac or Henry Fortune, Mr. A kind of like gritty, grimy, unpleasant to watch kind of movie that I can enjoy sometimes. No, um, yeah, there's nothing really to spoil about. He just, he's just, dick with a mustache and he keeps killing people so hmm. available for free on uh, popcorn flicks if anyone's looking for it and now I gotta tap out for a couple of minutes to go deal with the crying kid so you tell us what you watch Brian oh, okay <laughs> uh, made, it, made it all the way to the end though yeah uh, well the funny thing is, it's Doug's week to pick movies, and I forgot to tell him to uh, figure something out. So, um, so my coworker came over 
Last time he came over, we ended up doing a uh, Schwarzenegger marathon without intending to. Uh, so he came over this time, and I was like, you know what? We're doing Schwarzenegger Part 2. Because during Schwarzenegger Part 1, he mentioned that he had never seen the Conan movies before. So I was like, well, that's, we got, that's a sin. We got, we're doing Conan. So we watched I'm Conan. you did Conan, Conan, and Sonya. Well, we'll get there. Uh, so we, we did Conan the Barbarian, um, which is fantastic. Uh, seeing uh, James Earl Jones just turn into a giant snake during an orgy is always an uh, entertaining time. Fuck yeah. Uh, and then we followed that up with Conan the Destroyer, which uh, is sort of the lesser Conan, but I think it's the one I watched more often as a kid. That's so, that's because it was on TV more often. Yeah. So I remember that one more. So we we watched that. I hadn't watched it in a long time. That was a lot of fun. And then indeed we had to follow it up with Red Sonia, to which then I explained like, well they couldn't use the Conan name, so they just called him something else. And then as I was looking stuff up, the uh, apparently there's a fan theory that everybody just kind of goes with. That uh, the name he uses in Red Sonia, they just think of it as one of Conan's traveling names, which apparently he used a lot in the books, like different names when he was traveling. Yeah. And so they just like, oh, that's, you know, Killian or whatever the fuck his name is. That's just one of Conan's traveling names. And so they just were like, all right. And so it's sort of an accepted uh, fan theory that he is actually Conan, but... Has to use a different name. I mean, everybody knows it's Conan and was intended to be Conan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Red Sonia is still enjoyable. Um, I saw that one a lot as a kid, too, so I think I may enjoy that one maybe the most out of all three of them. But. You remember you remember her before she transformed into a horrible monster person? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. She dated Flavor Flav. What's, what's the hate about that? Yeah, that's not fucking scarring. I think she was dating Stallone around this time. This is what I'm uh, saying. She used to be just a, a incredibly attractive person, mm-hmm. and now she is. <laughs> I don't. I just don't. She's like the fucking crypt keeper. <laughs> um. So I was reading some of the trivia about Red Sonia while we were watching it. And I found out that apparently Schwarzenegger agreed to do a cameo in Red Sonja. Um, and, you know, told Dino De Laurentiis, which apparently he had a 10-year contract with. Sure, I'll show up for a week and mm-hmm. do your movie. And then, uh, you know, I'll move on to do whatever else Schwarzenegger was doing in the 80s. Probably hookers and blow. Uh, so he went and then was there for an entire month. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently they were very strategic about the footage they shot with him, which is how he pretty much ended up being a co-star of the movie without realizing it. And, uh, when he saw the finished product, apparently he was super pissed off because, you know, basically they lied to him and he thought he was doing them a favor by doing a cameo. And uh, they basically put him in pretty much all the movie. 
So he, that apparently caused him to break his 10-year contract with Dino De Laurentiis. Does that, I just find that so weird. How can you be there shooting scenes for a month and not realize that they're clearly putting you in more of this movie? Yeah, I don't know. Seems like that would have been obvious, but I don't know. Um, yeah, so he, he ended up enjoying the sort of Conan triple feature. As soon as... The funny thing is, as soon as the first one started and it has that voiceover, mm-hmm. he's just like, wait a minute. He's like, this sounds like the guy from Samurai Jack, which I never really watched Samurai Jack. Um, and so then we looked it up and it totally is the, the guy from Samurai Jack. So is that little, right? I don't think I ever realized that either. Yeah. So the little wizard guy that he ends up teaming up with in the first movie and the second movie did the uh, voiceover stuff for Samurai Jack. So, and he's like, I just didn't realize that because apparently it's like, it's pretty much like almost exactly the same. So they were pretty much just copying off the Conan movie for it. I always loved, I love magic in the Conan universe because it's all so, I don't mundane. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they do have power and they can do things. They just don't have like this, Gandalf level, I'm gonna fucking blow you up with magical energies bullshit. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, so that was fun, and that's pretty much all I watched. I mean, if Conan, if Conan the Barbarian isn't one of your favorite movies after you watch it, I don't, I don't know what the fuck to tell yeah. you. Yeah, he loved it, so he was a big fan of it. Still, never seen the Jason Momoa one. Yeah, there's no reason to fucking see that. Yeah, I've heard it wasn't bad, but it just wasn't. It wasn't Schwarzenegger Conan. I know it's a weird. I don't. I don't know why I'm so far on the outside of this. I know people fucking love Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa can eat a dick. (laughs) Like he just can't. His fucking. What did Jason Momoa do to you? No, his movies suck. I can't think of the last thing I saw him in that I was like, oh, that was awesome. Uh, I think he's a fun Aquaman. I didn't see Aquaman, but I thought his dude bro version of Aquaman and Justice League was all right. No. See, once again, what what you just said is the whole reason why it's awful. Dude bro Aquaman is the fucking worst. I mean, I feel like it was closer to the Batman Brave and the Bold Aquaman than regular Aquaman is. I don't know. So. And, and so I, I will say this. Justice League wasn't entirely his fault. No. That that Aquaman sucks because uh, I was so distracted by the story they were telling and the awfulness of all of it mm-hmm. that it made his performance worse. About, about the time that he's walking shirtless into the waves, smashing a bottle of whiskey while fucking Iggy Thump from the White Stripes plays – yeah. That's that's about the moment. You, you know the the bit that Pat Oswalt does about being in the grocery store and Toto's Africa comes on and he's like, oh, if I had a gun, I would fucking shoot myself right now. That's the way that scene makes me feel. <laughs> Jesus. Right. It is the worst combinations of things. That that movie is a fucking travesty of, of comic book shame. Right, fair enough, I guess. What else did you watch? That's it. Really? Yeah. It's a short list for you. Well, three, four movies. I watched Bill and Ted, but we already talked about that. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess he, Doug ain't back yet. 
Uh, oh, I'm sure he's gone forever. Um, <laughs> so me and the wife have been, uh, I don't know. She's like, hey, uh, I kind of want to watch Rick and Morty. And I was like, uh, yeah. Like, I'm going to watch, I'll rewatch all four seasons of Rick and Morty. I'm Pickle Rick. Exactly. When we got to that episode, I'm like, you're about to see the most amazing thing that ever happened to television. Rick turns himself into a pickle. Just you wait. So. Well, it's not just it's not just the fact that Rick turns himself into a pickle. It's the, uh, the like, shot-for-shot shot extended remakes of other movies that they slap into that episode <laughs> for no reason. It's because that show's awesome. It's so fucking insane. I, I only have one problem with Rick and Morty, and that's uh, Rick and Morty fans who are terrible people, <laughs> which <laughs> okay. is a strange thing because, I mean, so like I'm a Rick and Morty fan. I enjoy it, but I'm not one of these Internet fucking troll uh, harass McDonald's to get Szechuan sauce back because Rick said he liked it. Fucking mouth breathing, knuggle dragging assholes that like that show. Jesus. Oh, it's a thing. Trust me. Like, it has one of the most toxic fan cultures of any show on the planet. Worse than Star Wars? Uh, I don't know. Well, <laughs> yes. No, I'm going to have to say yes because Star the Star Wars fandom is toxic and self destructive. While the Rick and Morty toxic fandom is outwardly destructive, so they like spread out and damage other people. But yeah, if if I'm at a, if I'm at a comic book convention and somebody's wearing a, a Rick and Morty shirt, I usually steer clear of them. Burn. Uh, did I hear Doug come back? Yeah. Um, so you missed it. I was talking about that. Uh. uh I showed my coworker because he had never seen him the uh, Conan triple feature okay. with uh, Schwarzenegger. So, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. See, I, I, I don't feel like those movies hold up. I think I've mentioned this in the past, but I just I don't feel like the movies just. I don't know. They're not what part not enjoyable for me to watch at this point? What part of? James Earl Jones turning into a giant snake during a snake orgy. Do you feel doesn't hold up? I didn't say there weren't highlight moments. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel the whole show is very slow. Or the, like, the, the first movie is just so slow. I'm just like, I can't deal with it. Do you feel that Arnold Schwarzenegger biting into a vulture's neck and sucking its delicious, delicious blood from its body to regain his strength is somehow now non-PC. No, I think that's fine. We're, we're edging towards eating meat on screen being unacceptable, but I don't really think that's the... Uh, we're not there yet. So. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the point where I turn into a right-wing commentator. <laughs> <laughs> when they ban meat on screen, I'm going to be fucking on the radio like, we're all these goddamn liberals. God knows what the right wing people will be uh, saying at that point, because considering they're basically saying that the liberals are doing that now, I don't know where they'll be. But that's neither here nor there. Hmm. Uh, did you watch anything else, Doug? Uh, I watched one more movie, which was called 
Searching, from 2018. Mm. John Cho. Have you ever seen it? John Cho, yeah. I haven't seen it, so but it's, uh, it, it's in my, my voodoo. Yeah. yeah. So the, the gimmick of the movie is that the whole movie is told through computer screens. Um, basically, in some cases, it's like video chats or other recordings. In some cases, it is literally just the mouse moving around the screen and clicking on things and different articles and stuff popping up that you're expected to actually read. Um, and the plot is basically that John Cho plays a, a father recently widowed and he uh, when his teen daughter goes missing he's trying to figure out what happened to her and where she's gone and stuff um, you know it goes through the whole thing where basically he's uh, you know coming to realize he didn't know his daughter as well as thought he would and that kind of typical stuff um, the movie was surprisingly good I don't yeah. know how to explain why though I, like, I don't understand why I was kind of enthralled with watching this stuff happen on this computer screen. <laughs> um, the way like, it sounds like such a cheesy concept that I would find annoying or that I would think was good for a short film but not a full feature. And it never got old or boring. So uh, it's a big recommend. There's a really cool, like the ending, there's a bit of a twist couple of twists at the ending of it um it's not so much the twist that's really interesting to me but the way the twist is revealed is really cool there's just a moment where you're like oh shit like nothing is what we thought it was based on what i just saw but you have to have been paying attention the whole movie to catch that moment and then of course they'll explain it to you as the rest of the movie goes on but it's like it's not so much what the twist is like i say it's just the way it's revealed i was like really impressed with um it's just a really well-made film solid acting by john cho who i really like anyway so i pretty much liked him and everything mm-hmm. it's super fucking weird that the guy who coined the phrase milf is already now uh <laughs> old enough to be playing a, a dad that's i don't know about that. that that makes me feel old but it's nobody's fault i guess it's possible i just feel old from being old so yeah like when I said last week oh. that Johnny Knoxville was playing dads to like 20 year olds. Yeah. Yeah. Same idea. <laughs> so that's a, uh, yeah, I'd highly recommend, um, searching. I just, it's hard to explain why I recommend it. It's, it's just a good, it's just a good movie. Like I said, the, the mystery is somewhat engaging but it's more the way it's told that's really interesting. Uh, I'd, I'd almost want you guys to watch it just so we could have a spoilery discussion of it, but I refuse to spoil it because I think the way that the twists are play out are pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, I'd be up for watching it. I've, I've been wanting to watch that, and then the Unfriended movies I've heard are actually better than uh, what you think yeah, they would be. hearing that, but, but I'm always... I to believe the movies called that are good. Yeah, but then I'm always nervous about pulling the trigger on all three of those these movies because they're just the concept just seems like so far like I'm going to be watching a computer screen the whole time. That's the whole movie. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. since you said it was good, I may uh, maybe I'll one thing. Uh, I'll grant it. One thing is it's like so he obviously a dad is going to have to like break into social media accounts. They show how he does that. 
And it's like, oh, that all like just makes enough sense to me. And then you see problems with like, well, if something was done on, you know, if he uses a PC and his daughter uses a Mac and he can't figure out how it works. And it's like, okay, like these are all like real things that I think are just, they add a sense of realism to the fact that you're staring at a computer screen. So I think that helps it, but yeah, yeah. overall it's just surprisingly engaging. There's a few moments where there is like the like he's on the phone with the cops and it's like, well, why is the cop video chatting him instead of making a phone call or sending an email? And it's like, oh, because they need that for this movie to work. So you just kind of have to forgive it those moments. But yeah, uh, that, that would be all that I watched. But it's a pretty successful week for me. I was pretty happy with everything I saw. So Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. I believe it's your week to pick, and I forgot to tell you earlier. So you can either look at the list and pick something now, or if you want to look at the list and we'll just tell people on the Facebook group what it's going to be, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, I believe that's going to be the system, because otherwise I'm going to crack under pressure and pick really shitty movies. Okay. So So Doug's going to tell us on the Facebook group what we're doing for next, uh, next episode, but... No biggie. What more do you want from a free podcast, people? You get what you pay for around here, I'll tell you that. That's for damn sure. <laughs> if we haven't disappointed you enough already, then you really don't care, apparently. Dollar last for dollar, we are yet, the most the cost-effective podcast on the internet. <laughs> We're not, because I'm sure there are, other, there are other free podcasts that have much better quality content. They don't have our charming personalities to back them up. So. What did one person say about us on Facebook? Like, uh, high quality discussion about low quality garbage or something like that. I just remember yeah. Doug said we needed to put it on a poster. Yeah. I mean, it'd be a lie, but most stuff on posters is. So. Yeah. And when is, uh, when is the posters ever told the truth? Oh, technically when we were doing the last horror cast and we had that poster made up for critters where it said significantly less rape than last house on the left. <laughs> that was truthful. So, uh, well, I think that that's probably a lot. That's probably the truth for a lot of movie posters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could, you could reuse that tagline over and over again if you wanted to. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. Now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.